Ninth Story Studios, giving story a voice. Welcome to the lift. Get ready to take a ride. <laughs> As humans, we're naturally driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search, match with Indeed. When I was looking to hire someone, it was so slow and overwhelming. I wish I had used Indeed. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash podcast. That's Indeed.com slash podcast. Terms and conditions apply. Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on Chumbacasino.com. I looked over the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's ChumbaCasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Tweet, tweet. Are you a birdie? Do you like to Twitter and tweet? Come find us on Twitter at Victoria's Lift. Tweet, tweet. Hello, I'm Daniel Foytek, and I thank you for joining us for a special episode of Victoria's Lift. Today, in celebration of Pride Month, we present a fresh take on one of our favorite stories from Season 1. Not only was Why I Take the Lift a Parsec Award finalist, but it's one of my personal all-time favorite stories of the show. Now, it always felt like this one deserved a better production than I had the ability, experience, or resources to give it, so early in the show. If you create things, anything, you'll know what I mean. When you start on the path of making art, you know what you want it to be. And you do your best to realize that. But because you know you're inexperienced, and eventually you do improve, part of you always wants to go back and make it better. So today, in celebration of Pride Month, this story gets its due. The episode has been completely redone with new narration by the incomparable David Alt, fresh sound design by our amazingly talented new sound designer, Davis Walden, and an all-new custom score by Nico Vettese. And the fact that the new narration and sound design were both done by gay men makes this episode even more special. I sincerely hope you'll find this episode as beautiful as I do. A big thank you to our author, Mark Nixon, for agreeing to allow this story to appear again. Mark would no doubt tell you that he's become a more experienced and more talented writer since this was written, but I feel it's one of the earliest indications of what a great writer Mark would become, and I feel it's just as beautiful all these years later. Speaking of Mark, 
I'd recommend you listen and subscribe to Shadows at the Door, a fantastic audio drama podcast by Mark. Shadows at the Door, the podcast, artfully showcases the unsettling, the unearthly, and the uncanny, with new telling of beloved ghost stories and spectral yarns created exclusively for the podcast by some of the most exciting writers in modern horror. You can find the show at shadowsatthedoor.com, or you can subscribe to it wherever you get your podcasts. Now, one last thank you before we get started today to those who are supporting Victoria and her lift. Those supporting the show at the $5 a month level and above will get to hear our special 10-part miniseries by Christopher Long, To Those Who Thrive in the Dark. This series will dive deep into the mythos of Victoria's world and will feature Victoria facing ancient gods, fey folk, ghosts, monsters, old enemies, and a certain little brother with ulterior motives. This series will also be released as a novella at the end of the run with an expanded story that takes you deeper into our world. Now, hold on tight, and let's go for a ride on Victoria's Lift. I Take the Lift by Mark Nixon My office cubicle is only on the second floor, but every day I take the lift, and more often than not, I hear a noise of disapproval from those destined for the higher floors when I get off. It's not that I'm lazy. Sure, I don't jog the length of Central Park every other day like everybody else in Manhattan seems to, which, if you ask me, is a little too much like posing anyway. Especially John in marketing, who insists on completing his jogs topless. It's just that I like taking lifts whenever I can. On the few occasions when someone has asked why I insist on taking the lift, I usually tell them it's so I can steal a few precious moments on Twitter, but today, just for you, the truth. I once had my life saved in a lift. Well, okay, that's uh, maybe a tad dramatic. I wasn't in any physical danger, but my mental health... That was very suddenly on the verge of collapse. It had just finished raining when I stormed out of the office all those months ago. It was around 10pm. The streets of New York were typically brimming with activity. The office is on the corner at East 42nd Street on Madison Avenue, so only a short walk from the public library. And I love reading. I can't tell you how that particular love started because it's always been there. So when I left the office in great distress, it would come as no surprise to those who know me that I unconsciously gravitated to the library. And that's when you consider the wealth of bars that surround the office alone. Of course, that late at night the library was closed and I hadn't really expected to go inside so I simply sat by one of the marble lions and stared at the cabs pass by. 
Without much warning, I broke down in tears and buried my face into the palms of my hands. See, I worked, and still do work, in an office full of 30-somethings, most with kids, and they spend their lives waiting for the next episode of The Bachelor or The Voice to start. So, a little gossip is the closest they get to excitement between nine to five. And the events that transpired were sure to be the talk of the town and impossible to ignore. That night had been the going-away party for our deputy department manager, Scott. And rather than go down to the bars or meet up for a meal, we simply stayed back after the shift ended, armed with a couple of kegs, some bottles, a large order of pizza, and a Bluetooth speaker which we all fought over. I'd always admired Scott, and honestly, I was sad to see him go, even if it was for a well-deserved promotion. I'd been waiting for a quiet moment to wish him a sincere goodbye, and as he went to leave for the toilet, I saw my opportunity. Through slurred speech, I was able to tell him that I'd miss him, that I always thought he was fantastic, and, well, before I knew it, I was kissing him. Yeah. First, a little background info. At age 13, I first kissed a girl named Darcy. <laughs> her lip gloss tasted like cherries, and I even dared to put my hand on her hip. At 15, I received my first blowjob from Kirsty Potter after dating her for more than a year. But following a spot of locker room bragging that got loose, thank you very much, Stephen Adams, I was soon at the dumping end of a very public breakup, and I deserved it. And so it wouldn't be until I was 19 when I lost my virginity to Emily Curtis upstairs at a house party. <laughs> yeah, and they say romance is dead. More girls followed, not as many as I'd have liked at the time, but there were a few more nonetheless. So to find myself kissing a man, passionately kissing a man at an office party was as much a surprise to me at that moment as it would have been to my childhood friends. <laughs> and there was nothing especially special about Scott. He was about as plain looking as me. Just another face in the crowd passing by, albeit in a moderately fashionable suit. But under the glow of the dimmed office lights, he looked incredible. The shadows casting down his face seemed to strengthen his features, his jawline, his perfectly straight nose, and his large, glistening brown eyes. Suddenly, nothing made sense. The excessive admiration I'd harboured for Scott's unflappable professionalism, the way he calmly dealt with stressful situations, his fantastic sense of humour... Had it been something more? The kiss was over before I had time to realise what was happening. I don't know if the delay was due to alcohol or sheer shock, or, hey, maybe it was just both. It was me who stopped the kiss, strangely enough. Scott elevated his eyebrows in a combination of shock and an expression I was about to realise was pleasure when we were interrupted by the deadpan voice of Vicky from reception, attempting to surpass her utter glee. Oh? She said, barely containing her smile. Vicky? I gasped, looking at the small tubby receptionist. Panic gripped me. 
Now that may be a phrase people overuse, but I seemed to feel a giant hand grab my heart and squeeze it. Out seemed to flow only adrenaline, and my instincts told me, uh, no, no, screamed at me to run. I should go, I finally said to nobody in particular. I practically ran from the two of them and the gossip that was surely about to break out. I could swear that I heard Scott call after me as I stormed down the hallway, but who could be sure with the thumping bass in the background? Before long, I was out of the doors of the building, powered by fear and, I'm sorry to admit, by shame. It seems strange to admit that now, but sadly, it's the truth. I crossed the road, avoiding the brutal drivers you come to expect, and headed toward the library, as you already know. There, after a good cry, I vomited. I'd like to tell you it was down to nerves, but somehow I don't think you'll believe me. A cold breeze shook some amber leaves along the steps, wrapping themselves around my feet. I reached for one and examined it for no reason at all before I was startled by the opening of the library doors behind me. There, in the dead of night, I saw a little girl walking out. She was clinging onto a stack of books that almost reached her nose, She couldn't have been older than ten and was dressed in an old frock, the kind you force on kids for those vintage photo shoots. Bemused, I waited for a parent or anyone to follow her, but she seemed to be alone. I sniffed to clear my throat, not realising I somehow had some vomit in my nose, and after that moment of unpleasantness, I shifted to speak to the girl. Be careful on those stairs, I offered. She stretched her head to look down and seemed to agree with my sentiment. Thanks, she said. You should be careful too. You wouldn't want to stand in that sick. I looked down, embarrassed. I also didn't register how unusual her voice seemed. There was an accent that reminded me of home, but that wasn't it. The voice seemed to echo, and as such her words seemed to linger in my head after she'd spoken. She could have told me that I was the President of the United States and it'd take me a few minutes to realise that I wasn't. Yeah, gross, right? I answered. Yep. I stood up and navigated around the mess on the steps, wiping my eyes. Do you want a hand with those books? Oh yes, please. I leaned over and took the pile. From some of the forward-facing spines I could see quite an eclectic mix. One flew over the cuckoo's nest, a somewhat inappropriate choice, I thought. A brief history of time, little women, the god delusion, amongst others. Quite the mix you have here, I noted. I'd like to think so, she replied. I've read some of them before, actually, but they're really good. Yeah. We reached the bottom of the stairs, and at this point no one else had left the long-since darkened doors of the library. So, who are you with, exactly? Not only was I concerned as to why there was a young child in the middle of Manhattan unattended, but I was also aware of how my interest in her might seem to the average passerby. Luckily, New Yorkers tend to keep their head down at night, for better or worse. Just me. And don't worry. She replied. Most people don't see me unless they need to. Or I want them to. Beg pardon? People see me when they need to? She repeated, almost annoyed. I got the impression she'd had this conversation more times than she could remember. Like you. You need some help right now. You think? Well, evidently. 
but this is good. It means you get to come and take a ride on my lift. Your lift? Yes, but don't worry about it. And we'll be there soon anyway. And she was right. Only a few blocks walk down Fifth Avenue and we reached a building that seemed to be our destination. I hadn't seen it before myself, and I'd worked in the area for close to four years by this point. We walked into the reception, which was strangely empty, and waited for the lift to arrive at the ground floor. I'd placed the books on the reception desk as instructed, and as I did, the last of the alcohol seemed to leave my system. We waited for a few moments in silence, and I felt strangely at ease with the situation, which, looking back and telling you right now, seems completely bizarre. But at the time, it felt entirely normal. I felt totally compliant with the girl's plan. She felt like a force of nature, like a sudden rainstorm. You can't stop the rain. All you can do is choose how you react to it. The lift finally arrived and we stepped in. It was gorgeous inside and reminded me very much like the ones in the plaza. It took us up, sounding off a bell as we passed each floor until we reached the eighth floor. Then a strange thing happened, well, strange within the context of this whole thing. The doors opened, but almost immediately they closed again, and the lift descended quite suddenly with a stomach-lurching jerk. Weird, I said, for some reason not phased by an elevator that seemed to work on its own. I was worried about this, she replied. The lift doesn't know what floor to take you to. Your issue, let's call it, has more consequences than you realise. We felt the lift slow as it approached the sixth floor. Again the doors opened, but again closed and lurched us upward once more. Thankfully by this point I was completely sober. Okay, so let me explain. She started again. Each floor has a speciality. She stopped talking and leaned against the side of the lift, putting her ear to the wall. That was the sixth floor, for example, where we deal with denial, uncertainty and fear. She smiled as if someone were whispering in her ear and joined me at my side once more. Okay, so the lift has things sussed out now. We're going back to floor eight. And what do you deal with on floor eight? I asked, a little scared. Dishonesty, secrecy... She rolled off, and then she locked her eyes with mine. And lies. Lies? Afraid so. The lift then arrived at the eighth floor, though I hardly noticed. You may not realise it, but when you were sitting by the library, you already knew how you felt. Maybe you always have. In fact, I dare to say deep down, you already know who you are. You just need to stop lying to yourself. Those words hit me like a ton of bricks. She was right. I knew how I felt before I even walked after Scott. After all, it's possible to lie to yourself so adamantly and so completely that you start to believe it. Yes, there'd been girls, and yes, they'd been good times, but looking back now, right now, I see that I'd gone through the motions, done what was expected of a lad growing up. You know, we go from telling kids to ask for permission to use the toilet one moment to telling them to decide what their entire future will be the next. No wonder some young people can't figure themselves out. No wonder so many repress, do what they can to feel like they belong somewhere, anywhere. 
I stood and experienced an eternity within seconds, and then, looking outside of the lift doors, I could see the corridors of my own office building. Don't ask me how, that's just how it was. The lights were low, but the music was still playing. Clearly, the party was still going in full swing. I turned to the girl, whose name I never caught, and thanked her. I knelt and gave her a hug, which she returned warmly. Again, looking back, this all seemed so bizarre, and I almost wish I'd spoken to her some more, because when I stepped out and turned back to say goodbye, she was gone. All I saw was the door to the supply cupboard. I took a deep breath and walked back into the party, ignoring the hushed giggles of some of my colleagues. I picked up two bottles of beer, found Scott, and sat next to him. He took the drink and repaid me with a handsome smile. Hey, you, he said. Hey, I replied. And no, we didn't dance the slow song at the end of the party, but we did share a few more drinks, a lot of laughs, and we're actually still in touch. Just friends, but a friendship I'm glad to have. It hadn't been a quick journey to fully understand who I am. Hell, it still isn't sometimes, but thanks to the girl and her lift, it's been a much easier one. And now we come to the point of this little tale, some wise if unusual words of advice. If you ever come across a young English girl dressed out of time, and probably acting it too, then give her a little smile and let her know that you can see her. She might just save your life. Today's episode featured David Alt as the narrator and Amber Collins as Victoria. Our author was Mark Nixon. You can find more of his work at shadowsatthedoor.com. Today's custom score and our intro and outro theme songs were created by our resident composer, Nico Viteze of We Talk of Dreams. Find Nico at wetalkofdreams.com and streaming on Twitch. Artwork is by Jeanette Andromeda illustrator, artist, YouTuber, and all-around amazing human, find her being creative at JeanetteCreations.com. Sound design was created by Davis Walden, our new sound designer, and the creator of the Viridian Wild podcast. You can find the show at TheViridianWild.com. That's Viridian spelled V-I-R-I-D-I-A-N. Or you can subscribe to it wherever you get your podcasts. Victoria's Lift creator and producer is Daniel Foytek of Ninth Story Studios. That's me. Don't forget, Chapter 2 of our miniseries, To Those Who Thrive in the Dark, will be posted on Patreon in July and return to the free show this December. Season 5 is coming soon.
like me and my lift? Please tell me by writing a short review of the show in iTunes and leaving me some gold stars. It helps others to find their way here too. I like gold stars. Can I have lots? Pretty please? Leave me stars and reviews at itunes.victoriaslift.com Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on chumbacasino.com. I looked over the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at chumbacasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's chumbacasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. DTW, void, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. Lucky Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.